Good morning. We are in the middle of a series called Church Different. And we do things a little, hopefully, the idea behind this is we do things a little differently around here um, to reach, grow, and serve our community for Christ. That most of the people that, especially in this area, because of the... uh, if we have a church heritage, it would be a Catholic heritage. I bet if I had people raise their hands right now, if they grew up in a Catholic church, probably about 80% of our church would raise their hand. And so our church, doing church clap as the bumper video, one that we have a video, but a bumper video of church clap before the pastor starts preaching is a little different. Um, so if our community's preconceived ideas about church are one way, we kind of want to shake that up a little bit. Um, I also, probably, what, 75% of the Sundays are in blue jeans. That's also a little different uh, for, for most things. But not just cosmetic differences, but we want to go about how we are laser-focused about reaching, growing, and serving the community for Christ differently. Now, if I did a poll of all the churches in this area, I would also say probably 75% of those churches, their mission statement or vision statement is something that could be boiled back to they reach, grow, and serve the community for Christ. Well, if all of us are trying to reach, grow, and serve the community for Christ, but only about 30% of our community go to church, we're not doing a very good job about it. And so we've got to get more intentional, more laser-focused about how to do this. And so... For our church, in this season, at this time, this is how we're going to go about it. Is, and today is all about how to reach our community for Christ. How we as a church body are mandated by God to start to do that. This is one of the things he says, go and make disciples. Go, make disciples. That's what he leaves us with, his parting words. If we're not doing that, we're not doing what our Savior has asked us to do. So today is almost, it's a little less sermony and more training-y, if you can put an E on the end of that. But it's, it's more of that on, on how to actually, by the end of the day today, I want to give you some simple tools on how to invite somebody to church and how to start uh, leading someone down the road of faith in a non-threatening manner, where you could probably still have friends after you do so, okay? Because that's always our fear. I don't, want that. I don't know what they're going to think about me. And my thought for today that's really been racking around in my head and and rattling around in my brain is we have to get over our fear of not being liked and have a real, real fear of hell. And I just, we're going to sit on that and keep on coming back to it. But everything that we talk about today, everything that we discuss comes back to that sentence that we have to get over our fear of not being, of, of being not liked and have a real fear of hell. And because if I'm honest with you, I am a pastor at this church. I got a rev in front of my name. I got a master's degree in theology. People matter to me and what they think about me matters to me. And I know all the right answers, but when the rubber hits the road, is this person going to like me? Am I even thinking about their eternity? Because that has to hold more sway. We spend 80, 90 years here on earth We spend eternity in heaven or hell. This is a reality. And we go about our day and we go about our life kind of ignoring that reality. And it's uncomfortable to talk about, oh, they're judging me. I'm not judging anyone. I just am telling you that it's a reality. Whether you like it or not, it exists. Heaven exists and hell exists. And this has to be, as Christians, 
on our brains. It has to be in our hearts. It has to motivate who we're talking to and how we're talking. And so from all of that, the rest of that today, we want to kind of inform our conversation. So that's where we're going today, and uh, I hope you'll join me on the ride. Reaching our community for Christ is our mission that is powered by the Holy Spirit. Reaching our community for Christ is our mission that is powered or fueled or just everything by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit takes responsibility for the reaching aspect. The Holy Spirit's job in the Trinity as the Godhead is to convict people of their sin and the stuff going on in their life. That is his job description. Number one is conviction. Number two is empowerment. So he convicts people of... uh, of the sin in their lives, and he empowers them, empowers Christians to live out Christ's love. That's, that's what Holy Spirit, part of God, Trinity thing, but without getting too deep in the weeds of the Trinity today, um, what it does. And that's really important for our discussion today, and especially with fear of people, because when I approach someone, say I'm going to talk to Paul about just inviting Paul to church. I see him at McDonald's all the time, and he's busy around there, but I heard that he has kids. And so I say, Paul, you got kids? Yeah, we have an amazing block party or Christmas thing or something going on here. I'd love it if you brought your kids to, to my church. And Paul says, well, I don't go to church. I'm busy at McDonald's. And I'm like, okay, well, Paul hates me. No, Paul ain't going to spit in my hamburgers because I invited him to church. He's not. One of the other, no, 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 no. no. Uh, he's not going to do that because every now, if I keep on seeing him at McDonald's, Paul's like, there's that guy that invited me to church. Paul has something going on with his kids. His kids act up, going crazy. Maybe his family's life. That guy invited me to church. Hey, uh, still got that kid program at the church? I've seen it over and over and over and over again. Sometimes these stories take like seven years to develop. But it happens, right? Paul's working on his uh, pizza delivery man right now. He, every week, I, I think he just, he just purchased, he needs a, a, a line item in the church budget for pizza just because he's inviting the pizza delivery man all, the, all for it. <laughs> pizza delivery man, every time he comes, he's like, oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, all the time, he keeps on telling me about the, this person he's inviting to church. Is that guy delivering his pizza slower? Is it, is it, has it been cold once because you've been inviting him to church? No. We've got to get over our fear of man and have a real feel, fear of hell. That's all well and good, Jerry, but I don't know the pizza man, and I'll have a different one next week. What is it when it's my friends and when it's my family? Okay, we're going to talk about that in a little bit as well. Far too often I struggled with opinions of people in this world and not what's going on in the spiritual world. Far too often that holds sway in my heart. Now for today I want to think about how do we get over that and how do we push through that. One, we have to remember who we were and who we are now. We have to remember all that God has done for us. And by remembering that we go, oh, I don't want anybody else to be stuck in that past. With that is this intrinsic pressure. There's this idea that I have to, I must, I am responsible for the saving of that person. And I want to be clear right now. Your job is not to save the person. Your job is to present the opportunity. There is a massive 
difference in the two. It is the difference between being a a non-commissioned salesperson and a commissioned salesperson. Okay? If you've ever done sales, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Commissioned person, you're begging for somebody to walk in the door so you can sell them something, and you're like, you need this widget so bad. Why do I need it? I don't, you need it. Because you need a paycheck is why they need it. And all the pressure's on you. But a non-commissioned, like, hey, here's the information. Have a good day. Nice to meet you. All right, well, okay. And I, uh, the burden is there. I want the person to have the best product, but it's not that. I get very leery with... Uh, this whole evangelism is the churchy word for it, but presenting Christ to people, introducing them to church when it's the sales mentality. My dad, um, my dad's a pastor and he would always joke around. It's one of his favorite jokes. I'm in sales, not management. And, uh, and I, it gets a cheap chuckle, but I started thinking about it and, uh, and that really rubs me the wrong ways. I'm not, I can't be responsible for the sale, selling of Jesus. This is wrong. Selling Jesus is not what I do. He's not a product. He's not, as I've joked before, he's not the sham wow. He's not a TV infomercial that's going to, you know, blot out everything. That's not how it works. And so I, I'm, I'm man, I imagine that you guys feel that pressure as well with your family and with your friends and this idea of I'm responsible for their eternal salvation. No, 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 no. You are responsible for presenting the opportunity but you don't do the saving. Last time I checked, you didn't get on the cross. You didn't die. Your sins, your, your blood did not wash away the sins of the world. Correct? So, deep breath. I can let go. If they reject you, they're rejecting Jesus. They're not rejecting you. It's okay. You try again. You love them. You respect them. Try again. Is that, is that a different mentality? You, you guys see that? Because I've struggled with this my whole life. It's like, I've got a, I had nightmares in high school because my my all of my friends were seniors when I was a sophomore. And I had this huge pressure of, they're going to leave. They're going to go to college and die. <laughs> and I have to save every single one of them. And it was a huge pressure thing for me. And uh, my dad had to sit me down. I was like, you need to like, take a chill pill, son. It's okay. Calm it down. He had to do that a lot. But he really had to do it with that one. When you invite people to church or present the gospel, you are doing these things. You are being obedient to God. You are trying to go and make disciples. You are being obedient. The second thing you're doing is you are guiding them to a place of repentance. What we do is show them and us and ourselves, and this is a lot of what we do on Sunday morning, we are showing you a place of repentance, where repentance is a big churchy word for turning directions, aiming differently. Sin, the actual word sin, means to miss the mark. The mark would be perfection. Like, think of a bow and arrow metaphor. The mark, the dot, is perfection. When we sin, when we err, when we lie, cheat, steal, commit adultery, do all the crazy stuff in our life, we miss perfection. Repentance is to aim differently back onto the target, okay? Or if you're walking this way in a world of sin and all the stuff of the world's going down and you repent, you change direction and walk this way. Does this make sense? So what we're doing in our jobs as uh, lovers of Christ and as disciples of, of Jesus is to say, hey, I can help you find that change of direction. I can't make them turn, Right? That's assault and battery. <laughs> but, but I can help them 
turn. Does that make sense? Are you, are you following along? Okay. The third thing you do is you're helping them continue the road of repentance. I'm going to be awesome. I got some friends right now that have turned and they're doing everything they can to go this way. Like they're going to throw out their back or whatever. And it's my job to keep on helping. Hey, no, no, come on. This way. It's shiny. Come here. You know, I'm training a puppy right now in the house. It's all about the click, click, click. What kind of noises can I make? Bring them on the right way. Fourth thing is we love and pray for them no matter what they decide. No matter what. We love them and we pray for them no matter what they decide. All the guys in everybody's head probably right now, there's a, there's a, um, a, a college friend, there's a family member, there's a friend that's in your head going, yeah, this is the person I've been trying to talk to, trying to talk to, trying to talk to, trying to talk to. Your job is to love and pray for them no matter what they decide because your reaction, you are the representation of what Christianity is into their life. And it might not be your presentation of the gospel, your presentation of a church. Somebody might walk in here and go, that is the weirdest place I've ever been in in my whole entire life. They stand up. Some people raise their hand. I do not know what that's all about. What's going on? Yeah, they walk out of here. I'm never going back there. And then they get invited to another church. But because we love them and respected them and cared for them, they'll find Jesus in another place. And that is perfectly okay. Reaching the community for Christ is not about Shorewood Church of God's numbers of Christians. It's about Shorewood's numbers of Christians. Let that sit, okay? All right? There, Shorewood is a town of 10,000 people approximately. We have 120 people in this church, and not all of you live in Shorewood. So we, we, our percentages of reaching this town is not very good, but it's something we can work on. But it's more of how is Shorewood in, in proper being reached for Christ, not necessarily Shorewood Church of God, but we're going to do everything we possibly can to increase those numbers. Does this make sense? Not for a church population, not so Jerry can feel good about himself, but because we want the population of heaven to go up, not necessarily the church's population. Amen? Okay. Uh, you are not, what you, we just talked about what you are, you are not doing the work of salvation. We, just, we talked about that. You didn't die on the cross, you didn't resurrect from the dead, you didn't do all that. You're not doing the work of salvation. You're not responsible for it then. Okay? This is the pressure can be lifted from you on that. I see it in some of you guys' face like, oh, okay. I know the depth of love you have for your kids and for your friends and for maybe your father. And you feel all that pressure. But that's Jesus' job. It's not yours. Your job is to what? Present the opportunity. Next thing you're not responsible for is you're not responsible for what they do with the information if it's de- 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 what derived, delivered, gotta threw me off. Sorry. If it is delivered in love and grace, if it is delivered in love and grace. Now, if you deliver uh, the gospel as a jerk, you're responsible for being a jerk. Okay. In the scripture, Terry Bailey and I always talk about teachers are going to be judged differently, right? And we're, we're we're like, I don't want to be called a teacher. We're going to be judged differently and harsher. So as a life group leader, he's like, can I be something else besides a teacher? <laughs> I don't want to do that. Because you're responsible for the information and for the way in which you convey Christ to people. So do you do that in love and grace or as some, not in love and grace? I got context for you in, uh, there's a church. One of my favorite books of the Bible is a, is a letter written to um, 
this church called Col- uh, the Church of Colossae. The letter is called Colossians. It's found right after Philippians. So in your Bibles right now or your phones or whatever you're using to follow along, turn to Colossians 3. Colossians is right after Philippians. They're little books in the, of the Bible in the back. They're right before the personal letters. If you ever noticed how things are constructed, the letters to the churches are first, and then it's letters to people after that, and then you get Revelation at the end. So if the uh, book of the Bible you're looking for has got a name in it, you know it's after all the churches. Um, put that in your hat and remember it for later. Uh, I don't know where that came out of. You didn't really need it, but uh, there we go. <clears throat> Colossians 3, we're going to start at verse 12 here in a moment. Colossians, just put a finger there, a piece of paper or whatever, but Col- the city of Colossae is a very interesting city found in Asia Minor, which is present-day Turkey. Last week, we talked about a church called Ephesus. Ephesus was this ginormous city, 200,000 people Uh, close to the size of Rome in ancient history, holds one of the seven wonders of the world, this temple to this goddess. It is just this amazing, huge city, an epicenter of trade and of religion. And then you have this city of about 50,000 people right outside of it called Colossae, which is about 100 miles away. And Colossae is basically always in the shadow of Ephesus. It's the kid brother. It's got, it's the trade center. It's the next stop on the trade caravans out to uh, the Euphrates River out and taking you to Babylon um, out into Iraq. So this is the land trade route. So it was very busy because you couldn't, you could not trust sea travel. Does this make sense? So Ephesus is a harbor. You, you're taking your, <clears throat> your robes, your robe salesman. You take your robes to Ephesus, and you say, okay, let's go buy some camels and some donkeys. We get some camels and some donkeys. We put our robes on the camels, and we head out. Our night stop is going to be a Colossae. Now we might sell some stuff at Colossae uh, or whatever, but that's how this is constructed. Makes sense? Okay, Colossae is strategically positioned because there's mountain paths right there. Mountains come down, and Colossae is right in the middle. And so it is there because it's an entryway to this whole trade route. Does this make sense? That's important because uh, you, you can put a toll booth there. Uh, we live in Illinois. We're very familiar with toll booths. Um, but that's the, uh, that's the whole thing. Okay, we, we tracking? When I read this, I was studying this week. It was very interesting to me because Colossae just reminds me of Joliet. It is the little brother of Chicago. It is. It's got this like inferiority kind of weird complex thing going on with Chicago. That's a, it's a, just this going back and forth uh, as an outsider, somebody from Atlanta. If you take offense to this, I'm sorry. It's just what I've observed so far. It's got this, it's just this interesting, we're part of Chicago. We're not part of Chicago. This, this give and take vibe thing going on. We're part of Chicago when the bulls are winning. We're not part of the uh, Chicago when the bulls are losing, right? That's, that's just how it goes. Um, the truth in that hurt a little bit more, didn't it? Um, it's this big, enormous trade uh, area is Chicago. It's this huge port. It's got its own stock exchange. It's got all these, just like Ephesus was. Joliet, it is a huge trade center. Why all of us have jobs here is because of that river, that railway station, and as much as you hate it, 55 and 80. Every time you get stuck behind a semi, 
and I'm going to be, this is going to be a change in my, my mentality. Every time you get stuck by a, a semi, you should be praising God that that semi is driving through here, not because he's in your way. You're, I know you're going call, using God's name, <laughs> but let's use it as a, as a prayer of praise because those trucks, Ikea is building a 1.2 million with a million square foot facility here because of 55 and 80 and a train station and a river. Amazon is putting a distribution center here. Why? Because of a river and a rail station and 55 and 80. That's why those are all here. That's why if we have anybody come into this area, it's because of the trade on that. Definitely not because of our wonderful tax system. It's not because of they want toll booths. It's because of the because of the natural advantages that this area has. The same thing's going on for Colossae. So are you hearing me on that? And now the fact of religious similarities. Chicago is an epicenter of religion. Epicenter. They have gods named the Blackhawks, the Cubs, the Bulls, the Bears, and the White Sox. It's a polytheistic city. Ephesus is the same way. And if you don't doubt it, you've spent more time this week researching how Jay Cutler needs to get his act together than you have reading your scripture. Hey, now, we're preaching now. We're preaching. Right? It's a religious institution. We moved the block party. It was supposed to happen September 13. But we didn't want to go up against the Bears-Packers game. Because I knew no man and most women weren't going to want to come to church that day. Unfortunately, I'm correct. It's a religious institution. And so we sit outside that, and we are affected by it in Juliet. So as you read Colossians, and we're in this very specific place, in this very specific time, have a kindred spirit to these people, okay? Let them speak to your heart a little bit more, because these people would get you. And I think that's really cool. One of the, this was, but Joliet has an opportunity unlike other places. Joliet is situated in a place to have a wonderful opportunity, just like the city of Colossae and the Christians there were. How? It's this. It get, this was the opportunity because of trade and moving people through and how that all works. It's an opportunity. We've had a new couple come to the church from Detroit. I'm from, I guess I'll say I'm from Atlanta. Jimmy flies up here every week from, uh, from Georgia. We have a person in our church now flying to Chattanooga and working every week. We have this very transient, interesting uh, thing going on here in the church. Where all these, but that, what that does is bring in different ideas and different ways of doing things and how everything works out there. It's this interplay of ideas. It also, uh, the positive of it is it gives all kinds of opportunities. It gives the opportunity to spread the gospel. When you have a thoroughfare of people, when you see people from other states, you can talk to Stu Reeder about all the different people that he's met, probably driving his truck all over this country. He knew exactly where I lived in Georgia just by telling him what freeway I was close to. That was kind of creepy. It was, it was really neat. <laughs> but, he, but he, as a truck driver, he got to engage with all kinds of people all over the country. It's a spreading of ideas. This is how Christianity spread. Paul wasn't a, was not just picking a point on a map and saying, I'm going to plant a church here. He plants a, point in a church in Ephesus. Boom. One of the most important trade centers in the world. He plants a church in Colossians. The next step on the trade route. He plants it. 
You see, it's very intentional, and the same principles apply to us. It gives an opportunity to spread the gospel. It makes for an exchange of ideas, and it multiplies the potential impact. I, my first church I worked at was in the huge metropolis of Monroe City, Indiana. Do not let the city fool you. 500 people lived in Monroe City, Indiana. The potential for people uh, for Monroe City to grow was about 515 people. It was a coal mining city. Everyone there was either a farmer or, coal, uh, or dug coal. That's, that's all you did. There was no, there wasn't a Walmart. There's not a Kroger. The ga- Casey's gas station is where you went and got lunch. It's where you bought your groceries. It's where you did everything. Okay. I love that place. It was so much fun. But the potential for impact is capped. That church is, runs about 350 people. Think about that. 350 people. There's 500 people in the community. But his, but I love that man. Mark Nielsen's the senior pastor there. But his in, in potential for impact is capped. Like, I got 75%, 80% of the community coming to this church. We're doing pretty good. It's capped. Here, we've got probably 150,000 people that are within easy driving distance of this place. If you can count all, Joliet, Plainfield, Shorewood, Shannon, Morris, that's easy. Lots and lots of people. The potential for impact is greater here. Just like in Colossae. Seizing this opportunity is what we need to be about. Seizing this opportunity. Sharing the love of Christ is about recognizing opportunities, recognizing them when they come. You need to start praying to recognize these opportunities. Because we get in our, we're going through the line, we're doing our thing, we're on our phones, we're doing whatever. We need to recognize where the opportunities exist. And we're going to talk about that a little bit later. The second thing you need to do is seize those opportunities. It's not enough to go, hey, I can invite that guy to church. <laughs> and walk away. That's, you know, that's a third of the job. Uh, that's, that's, let's go actually talk to the person now. Good, good. Uh, we got to seize the opportunities. And the final thing is to give the opportunities to God. Remember that if you go and you talk to someone and they outright reject you, it wasn't about you. It's about God. It's okay. We got to get over our fear of man and have a real fear of hell. Colossians 3, verse 12. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you have a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body, you were called to peace and to be thankful. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. What is your opportunity Procedure. How do I identify opportunities? How should I act? How should I go about those things? It is right here in Colossians 3, or we could call it Joliet 3, all right? right? This is written to us here in this place. What does Paul write first? He reminds them who they are. 
What does he say? Chosen people of God. Therefore, as God's chosen people, who are you? You are God's chosen people. Who are you? I am God's chosen person. What am I? I am holy and dearly loved. This is a huge mental shift. If I am God's chosen person, I am his chosen person. It doesn't matter what people think about me. God loves me and cares deeply for me. Second thing, he reminds them how to conduct themselves. Clothe yourself with compassion and kindness and humility, gentleness and patience. Bear with each other, forgive one another. He reminds them how to conduct themselves. First, who are you? I am God's chosen person. Second, how am I supposed to conduct myself? With compassion and love. Third thing, he reminds them what their state of minds should be. In verse 15, let the peace of Christ rule. Let the peace of Christ rule. The wholeness of God rule in your hearts and be thankful. This is the mindset that we should be taking into the world. This is the mindset when we interact with people to be thankful. First, we remember who we are. Second, how do we conduct ourselves? With compassion and forgiveness. Third, what's our mindset? Of peace and of thankfulness. And fourth, this is, this is beautiful, and this starts to bring up the opportunities and how we seize them, is this. He reminds them to keep the message of Christ on their minds. This is uh, verse 16. Let the message of Christ among, uh, dwell among you richly, as you teach and admonish one another. Let the message of Christ dwell among you. Let the message of Christ dwell among you. Which means it's sitting, it's percolating, it's on our minds. And, and I made a joke about how you were studying Jay Cutler this week, but it, also, it applies to all of us. As we think about the Blackhawks, or as we think about the Cubs, or we, we think about these things, and I, had, I was asked, I was playing a video game yesterday, and I was asked, how are the Cubs doing? I was like, I'm not paying attention to the Cubs at all right now. But that's on our minds. You, you, how is this going? What's, what's going on there? And you think about the lineup changes or what they're going to do. If you play fantasy football and you're a man, that is a part of who you are. You're on your phone checking. There's a sad, sad commercial of all these dads on fantasy football on their phone and like life is happening about them, around them and they're, oh, you know, your kids just cut off his arm, but maybe you should pay attention to, okay, but the fantasy football will do that. It, it dwells on our minds. And I want to be very perfectly clear. We got to, that's what the message of Christ, that's the place of Christ in our lives. Is this should be dwelling in our hearts. And how do we get there? By spending time reading the scripture. By remembering where we've come from. By praying. By let the message of Christ and his forgiveness dwell on our minds. So now I want to get real practical. There's a little sheet on, uh, or a little card that you can put in your pocket. You can even fold it up if you'd like. It looks almost like a business card. Um, we were talking, the elders were talking to me in our last, uh, a couple of elder, or elder meetings ago, saying, you know, it'd be great if I just had a little card that had some helpful hints on it. 
And so this is something I want to start giving out in other ways uh, as we go about our day. Feel free to put this in your pocket, put it in your Bible, do whatever you you need to do, have it sitting in your, your car. But you can memorize this pretty easily. But on first, we're going to talk about reaching, uh, uh, we call it a reach guide, inviting to church. How do I do that? First thing is you find something in common with the person. If they're a guy and you're a guy, guys usually on their person, unless they're in a full business suit, have something that identifies them. Many of you uh, guys here today have a sports memorabilia team on on you. You will either have something that says if you are a gun owner or not on you. And uh, you, uh, what was the was the third thing? But there's something else that you just will know quite quickly. But those two are good enough uh, starts. And so you say, hey, and if they have kids with you, you can always ask about the kids. It's it's an easy thing with guys because guys don't like, you know, we'll stand right next to each other. and We don't say anything. And we're best friends. We still don't say anything, right? That's just how it happens. But if you see somebody's got a Cubs shirt on, you say, hey, how them Cubbies looking good this year? Yeah, I know. Blah, 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 blah. Chat, 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 chat. Hey, do you you go to church anywhere? No, man, I don't know that. Okay. Well, if you ever are interested in going to church, Shore Church God behind the brand new firehouse in Shorewood, we'd love to have you there at 10 o'clock. That's how it goes. You had a nice little conversation about the Cubs. Hopefully you are not a White Sox fan because then it gets ugly. <laughs> but, but it happens. I'm a Dodgers fan, so I just have to keep my mouth shut. I just, right, I know. Boo, you're booing me at church. You're booing me. <laughs> Get behind me, Satan. Uh, so the question is, do you have a church home? Find something, a commonality. This, you have a target audience. You want to make a productive time of all those dang practices you have to go to? Right? You got to go to gymnastics practice. You got to go to baseball practice. You got to do all these things. You have something in common. You're suffering through a practice. Bind together as brothers or sisters through suffering, right? Hey, you know, we had, and if they have kids there, it's real easy. Hey, we got this great kids' ministry. We got this, it's amazing the thing when my kid uh, go back there and they just get loved on and it's crazy. Do you have a church home? Ask that. Easy as that. Do you have a church home? If they answer yes, you say, fantastic. I hope you love it there. How can I pray for you? This is on the card, by the way. You don't even have to take notes right now. Fantastic. We're not trying to steal sheep. We're not not trying to steal anybody. But I want them to know, can I pray for you for anything this week? Yeah. Now, don't turn that into a gossiping and complaining session about how crazy and weird your pastor is who wears blue jeans when he preaches. Please don't do that, okay? I know you'll be tempted. Uh, the second thing is, if they'll say, no, I don't have a church from, okay, well, I'd love for you to come. Yeah, would you like to come to my church? Find a commonality. Just say the simple sentence. And it's really neat when you say this. I want to invite you to my church. I love it because then fill in your own blank. I know why I love it. I don't know why you love it. Make it your own. Make it personal because people won't argue with your personal story. They won't. They'll argue about the weather, about creationism, about... All kinds of every, who, what your sports team is, but you say, this is who I am, and this is why I like it. People will respect that. They will. Then you might get the answer, the one we're all afraid of. I don't go to church. I don't believe in all that stuff. Okay. If you ever want a church home, come check us out behind the firehouse, 10 o'clock on Sundays. Because just like the McDonald's story I gave you with Paul, I just planted a seed. I'm not responsible for what, what that happens. Jesus tells a parable, he casts seeds on fertile ground, on rocky ground, and sandy ground. It's okay. 
Holy Spirit takes it from there, okay? That's what we got to be. This is simple, simple, simple stuff. As I look around here, I see people who have invited neighbors and family members to the church. And I just like, yeah, they're going, yeah, yeah, I cast seed, and I thought it was really rocky, and I kept on throwing that seed. And it's okay, and it's okay. And they might come to church a couple times and go, that is not for me. We just love and respect and praying for them. You can always ask the question, how can I pray for you? How can I pray for you? And then pray for them. On the back, sometimes you have conversations that start leading to a place You're talking about life issues. You're talking about things that are serious in spiritual manners or even marriage issues or family issues or kids issues or those kinds of things. You get in that conversation. This is not going to be someone who's a complete stranger. It might be, but usually not. But if you're in the subject of faith and it's time, you, you know, it's time to take that step and bring Jesus up. This is how just a, I can't do a whole evangelism class from here. We'll be here all, all week. But this is just an easy baby step in that, that uh, way, okay? If you're on the subject of faith, share your story. I know my story. I once was this. I once was whatever you were, however you acted. Be vulnerable. Share it. And then Jesus redeemed me from my life of X, and now I'm this. That's it. You don't have to know all the apologetics, all the big churchy words. You don't have to know all the answers. You don't have to have the scripture memorized. You need to know your story and what Jesus has done in your life. And if you're hazy about that, I, t- I beg you, I, I, I did this in a class. This was my first assignment is I had to write in 250 words or less my story with Jesus. And it was one of the most transformational things I've ever uh, done in a class. Because before it would have been a 10-page paper of all these things Jesus has done, and I would try to sound really smart. 200, 250 words, you can't be that smart. I was this. I'm now this. I was this. I'm now this. They will not argue with you about that. They might say, that's fine for you, but it's not for me. That's okay. I once was this. I'm now this. They might respond with, I don't believe in all that stuff. They might respond with, I don't believe in all that stuff. And you respond with, I understand. My story was this. I once was this, and now I'm that. We're not debating in time stuff. We're not debating uh, Republican to Democrat. We're not debating any of this other periphery junk that the media thinks Christianity is. I once was this, and now I'm this. Right? Does that make sense? The pressure's off, because you can know your story. You can know that. I'm not expecting you to have this memorized or questions. You can say, you know what? That's a great question. Can I have your email address? Because I know somebody who will try to get back to you. And I will, it might take me a week, but I will try. And they might not like my answer, and that's okay. I might not like my answer, but if it's truth, it's truth. We have got to get over our fear of man and have a real fear of hell. We have let Satan trick us, and win this battle way too often. And so my hope for you today, my prayer for you today, is that we would start taking the steps in which we find these opportunities, whether we're at gymnastics practice or we're at baseball practice or we're um, at the PTA meeting or whatever. Find these commonalities, these places of commonality. In Mariano's, and you see that they like 
quinoa and you like quinoa. And if you don't know what quinoa is, don't pick quinoa to start the, the conversation with. <laughs> they have kale in their shopping basket. Just pray for them. Don't even <laughs> try. But you can strike up a conversation anywhere. I, my, one of my favorite things to strike up conversations with people is when I see twins. Because, like, I know your pain. <laughs> I know your pain. Like, I've given my wife's phone number to women who look like they're pulling their hair out. I was like, yeah, yeah, we did that too. It's going to be okay. I just said, it's going to be okay. I'll pray for him right then. Because the, an 18-month-old twin mama, is you can pick her out of a lineup. <laughs> just find places of commonality and start these conversations. It can change your life. Look for these opportunities. It can change everything about us. We have to become a place that reaches the community for Christ. We have to. There's not a, oh, it'll be okay. No, no, we have to. It's a mandate from God. It's not something that we just go along with the status quo. There's people in our community living their life, never hearing the gospel, never hearing how God can reclaim their lives, can change their lives, can enter into their lives of sin and junk and all the stuff that's going on in their life and redeem them. And set them on a new path. Because if you spend five minutes out in public in a community, you go, ah, they need Jesus. Yes, but you are the one who presents the opportunity. It's not just Jared's job. It's all our job. I hope this helps equip you to do that. I know some of these things, talking to a complete stranger, is one of your top three nightmares. I understand that. I'm not asking you to preach from the stage. I'm not asking you to to lead a song. I'm just saying, make friends and introduce them to church and to Jesus. I think we can all do that. And it starts with knowing your story, how Jesus is taking you from where you've been to where you are now. Let's pray. God, I want to have a passion for people in this community. As I see their faces, I see their struggle, as I see them in line at Mariano's or Starbucks or wherever I'm at, God, that you would break my heart for them, that you would open my eyes to them, that they're not an impediment to my day, that they are my day. God, that you would open our eyes to the opportunities that surround us. So we thank you for placing us in the Joliet area of Illinois, for all the massive opportunities that you've given us to share your gospel, to share your beautiful story of redemption, of love, and of caring. God, that you would ignite a passion in our hearts to reach people for you, that to present these opportunities to say they are important, they are special, and God loves them, and there's a plan greater than destruction for them, there's a plan greater than hell for them, that you love them so much that you want to party with them for eternity, that you have a better life for them, that they don't have to be stuck in the sin anymore, they don't have to be stuck in the addictions anymore, they don't have to be stuck in a, in a terrible marriage anymore, that God can redeem the marriage that God can redeem the habits, that God can redeem all the things in their life and set them on a new and beautiful path. God, you have given us an awesome opportunity 
an awesome responsibility that quite frankly, I'm scared to death of. But I know it's your will for us. I know it's your passion for us to reach the community for you. God, we thank you for that opportunity and we thank you for this moment. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.